So uh, we don't really know how to intro this, but uh, I'm Adam. And I'm Billy. Uh, this is a little idea we had. Don't know if we're going to stick with it. We probably will. But uh, this is the, we're going to call it the Beating the Buzzer podcast. We thought that was a catchy enough name. Uh, we're going to talk about some sports, some culture, just anything we really want to. Uh, anything else about what we're going to be doing? Um, sports, all that. So we might as well get it going. Let's talk NBA right now. Starting off with our both favorite sports. I'm a big Sixers fan. Sixers yeah, I'm from I'm from Boston, so I'm a big uh, all Boston guy. So we hate uh, each other. Yeah, no, we yeah despise each other. Um, we should talk about last night first. That was that was pretty insane. Uh, what happened last night with the mainly the Lakers? I'm talking about. Obviously, that Bucks finish was amazing. Let's talk about the Bucks first, though. Giannis goes down with an ankle sprain, and then Chris Middleton just steps up, 36 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists. He played 48 minutes. So do you think Mike Budenholzer is happy about that? Because he's been, he's been the one that's been talking up a storm about how he doesn't want his stars playing a lot. Mm-hmm. I think but, this is his butt, um, the Bucks winning this game. I think if they lost and Giannis was healthy, he would be in big trouble as a coach. But seeing Giannis go down and him kind of lead the team with giving Middleton all those minutes and taking the helm, I think he's trying to save his job, which with that win, I think he kind of could. And if they get another one, who knows? And with Giannis's injury, he could be back by a game six. Nobody knows yet. He just has a sprain. So yeah. we'll see what goes on in that series. I mean, we'll see. I hate to – kind of peddle this narrative because you know i'm a celtics fan so it was peddled to us the last couple of years like oh you guys are better without Kyrie or like all that but you know they played a lot better when Giannis left yesterday there was a lot more spacing it was easier almost for the guards to get to the basket and get open threes than it was with Giannis on the floor so i mean it's it's a very toxic path to go down but I mean, do you think they're better with without Giannis? No, no, I do not. Mainly defensively, that team is not this. That team is not the same without Giannis at all. But yeah, I agree. I think that Bootenholzer really saved his ass with that win last night. That's just what I'm emphasizing because that's just how let's, I feel. Let's keep it clean. But um, yeah, I think you know, I I I do. I wouldn't say they're better, but I think it opens up different opportunities for guys. I think they're a much better defensive team. It's kind of similar to Philly without Simmons, I think. The offense is going to flow a little better with shooting, and it's easier to space, but your defense is going to suffer a lot. And I think it's the same with the Bucs without Giannis. Is you're going to get a lot more shooting opportunities because we saw that in this game. We saw Bledsoe getting to the basket. We saw George Hill making some great plays. Obviously, Middleton, Lopez had kind of an off night, but Dante DiVincenzo made some plays. And it's all about the spacing because Giannis is just kind of a black hole. And, yeah, he's going to get you a lot of buckets. He's going to play great defense. He's defense player of the year. But 
I think the shooting is really not there when he's on the floor. Mm-hmm. But they took him off, and it was threes that won him the game. I mean, to beat Miami, you have to be able to shoot and go back and forth. And it seemed like whenever Giannis was playing, it's either he's running into a wall or you're just trading twos for threes. So I think all Milwaukee can do, your mindset's just got to be, and I think you'll agree with me here, it's just to extend the series. That's got to be your mindset, right? One game at a time. Yeah, you just got to take it there. Um, For Miami, though, that was – should we talk about them? I mean, they got big nights out of a lot of guys, and they just – That's been the whole – time they've been here everyone's been stepping up Drogic has been amazing I cannot even emphasize how much he's wowed me throughout the series and just the bubble he's really stepped it up as a player his shooting percentages are off the charts yeah last night again I think last night was a bit of an anomaly it was pretty cold but again still 17 eight assists that's it's pretty good stat line solid um, you know, Bam out of bio last night was amazing. He came out, he was guarding Giannis, then he's coming out guarding Lopez. You know, he'd switch on to Bledsoe sometimes. Amazing defender. But, I mean, Miami, again, you know, Milwaukee, that's what you got to overcome. They, Miami has one of these nights. You know, you got, what is this, one, two, you had five guys score 15 plus. You got six guys in double digits if you had heroes 11. So, I mean, it's a good job by Milwaukee to absorb one of those nights where everyone's clicking for Miami. But uh, let's move on. The other game in the association last night that I had been hyping up as a definite Lakers win, not because of anything really happening with the players because a a certain man by the name of Scott Foster (laughs) was going to be the chief uh, for the last night's game. But Let's talk about that game. Uh, a great comeback from Houston towards the end. Um, and, again, just shooting for them. I think they're shooting so well. But, you know, I want you to give me your thoughts on Russell Westbrook's play. Absolutely. Because he's – yeah. He, he doesn't know what he's doing, and he's just switching up his play style in the middle of the playoffs. He's never been a guy when he grabbed the ball, he'd just pull up. He'd always, he's usually the type to come off of screens and that's when he shoots. He usually does not catch and shoot like right off, even when he's open. He usually takes that lane and goes straight to the bucket. Um, Last night was very ugly from Russell Westbrook. But one thing about the Rockets I'd want to talk about throughout this playoff is James Harden's defense. He has completely went on another level as a defender recently. And I think he's been a reason why they survived the last series against the Nuggets with his defense, along with how he can step it up with this playoffs, guarding players like Rajon Rondo and some of the guards on the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, the Rockets, they're they're a weird team to me. Um, Because I feel like, Right, Harden has really picked it up, especially on defense. I agree with you with that. He's basically taken most of their guards out of this series. Um, But, man, I just – I look at this team, and you got a lot of guys playing really well, and then 
the number two guy on the team is just – he said it last night after the game. Russell Westbrook said something like, I got to go look at film because I'm just running around out there. He's got to get back to the way he played in Oklahoma City. He's got to get aggressive. I think he's got to get to his spot in the mid-range a little more. Mm-hmm. He's got to start attacking these bigs. He's kind of shied away from that. I mean, they were daring him to shoot last night. Um, he's slowing it down a little too much. I think even D'Antoni's offense is so fast-paced. I don't get why Russell is slowing down and then yeah. just handing off. You know, D'Antoni's offense encourages you to to run and to get guys open for three. Basically, everything you wanted in OKC, but you didn't have the personnel for it. Mm-hmm. He has to get in the paint. The Rockets only had 26 points in the paint last night, which is – Crazy. That's extremely low. Mainly with a team with Russell Westbrook. You need to get him to the rim. He needs to stop shooting. He needs to start driving and dishing and creating offense like how he has. He He's needs to be, be that aggressive. Mm-hmm. He, got, he has to be more aggressive. It's a big problem. When He's one of the most aggressive players in the game. I don't know what's going on. I, I think if I'm D'Antoni, I am worried and pretty furious. I think this will be a close series, though. I mean, we can shift over to the Lakers last night. Uh, There was a point in that game. The thing that struck me, obviously, great performances by LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but there was a stretch in this game where all I was hearing about on Twitter and just kind of thinking to myself was like, Markeith Morris cannot miss. I mean, he had a stretch in this game where he was just scoring like crazy. And that's what the Lakers need. They need a third guy to step up. And I think it's going to have to be by committee. I think they're realizing that Kuzma's not the guy. Slowly but surely, they're finally figuring it out. Um, but again, yeah, I'm looking at this. It was, it was really just late in the third quarter. Uh, you know, Markeith Morris makes three straight threes. So he was just kind of having a moment, but that series is going to be interesting. I think, again, it's the, it's the popular narrative, but it's, it's the big versus small ball. It's who's going to come out on top. And when the Lakers have guys shooting it like that, I think they're unstoppable. But then again, they rarely get games where guys shoot like that. So I think that's where I give Houston a chance. Um, Let's transition over to tonight because two pretty interesting games, two tied series tonight. Um, I'll leave the most enticing one for the latter half of this talk. So let's start with kind of a series that I've seen people label as a little less appealing because at face value, it's not the most entertaining guys, right? I mean, it's the Nuggets and the Clippers Kawhi's quiet. Jokic isn't a like high flying guy. He's a fat, slow white guy who can pass really well. Um, but give me your thoughts on Jamal Murray. Just the jump he's made. You've been seeing him step up. I remember. I went. I've always liked Jamal Murray coming out of college. I always thought he was a baller. He's always been quite the offensive player. I really like the way he handles with the ball. He's very aggressive on the perimeter and getting himself open. And we saw that last game. We saw that the whole bubble. He's been balling. He's been the guy to step up. One player, that one other player on the Nuggets that I've seen 
make a big jump is MG, MPJ. Um, Bull Bull's always exciting when he comes in because, you know, he's just an athletic freak. And I feel they could utilize him more in this series because the amount of bigs on the Clippers, they can't guard a guy that tall. They, we saw it with Kristaps. If they get Bull Bull down the paint, I don't know how many guys on the team that could guard him. So I think that's one player they should utilize a bit more. Yeah, he has uh, had no minutes in this series so far, which is interesting. I personally, as far as this series go, I think the last game was really entertaining to watch. I think kind of almost the way they played defense on Kawhi was really good, limiting kind of the amount of open mid-range shots he got. But I think for me – I got to take the Clippers in five or six. I think Kawhi had his first bad game in the playoffs. I think you have to go back to maybe 2000. What? When did he have the ankle injury against Golden State? It would have to be way back then that he had a bad playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, last night he was, or two nights ago, he was atrocious. I mean, four for 17 from the field, 13 points, zero in the fourth quarter. Um, and you only lost by nine. And I think the big thing for me with the Clippers is Paul George has finally started to shed this pandemic P, playoff P, the whole troll label. He's finally started to play like himself. And that makes them a very dangerous team. But again, I think Kawhi is your constant. He has to be the guy that's always playing well. And he had a bad game on. He had a bad game last game. Personally, I don't think the Clippers have this series. Like it's not a guarantee. One jump I see from the game from the first game and the next game, Jeremy Grant played 40 minutes in the win. He played the same amount of time as Jamal Murray. They're using him as a defensive stopper against some of these guys and he's not that bad. He's very athletic. And I think the mixture of getting the right guys in with the Nuggets, I think they match up relatively well with the Clippers. They have a big, and the Clippers aren't the best at guarding bigs. I think the only worry would be if Jamal Murray starts to slow down. That, that's the only way I see the Nuggets getting, like, losing in five. I think this series will go to seven. I think it'll go to seven, and then I, I'd say six. I just think for me, watching these two teams, it's it's the speed difference is just so noticeable. Because mm-hmm. game one, especially, not really in game two, because Kawhi was just off, but in game one, it was just when the Clippers got out, it was just running. They're so much faster when they're on. So if Kawhi gets on. And, you know, Jokic kind of – that's why they've had to take him off the court at times is because he's a defensive liability. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the Clippers start to get to the basket easily, start to run the break a little more, start to force you to speed up because Denver wants to slow down. They have a phenomenal half-court offense. Um, and if L.A. is able to get, get out in transition, you know, I'm – I'm not sure what the Nuggets solution for that would be, you know? Yeah, they, they Paul Millsap isn't the fastest guy either on defense. The only the only defenders I see on the fast breaks, Jeremy Grant and like 
maybe Jamal Murray running back from the backcourt. I, I completely agree with that. I think that Jokic can get it done if the Nuggets control the pace of the game. Yeah, I was about to. Probably turnovers will ruin the series for them. Yeah, I was about to point out about the uh, – <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, sorry. About the Nuggets, they are the third to last defensive rating of playoff teams in the bubble. So, if you let a team run out, they're not going to do so well. And the Clippers are the number two offensive rating, mm-hmm. to put that into perspective. But that's not the fun series – going on tonight per se there's been a much more entertaining series for once in the nba the more the two more entertaining series appear to be in the east than the west the west is always better and more competitive but celtics raptors looked over after the first three quarters of game three this series looked over wrapped up with a bow tidied up, done. Then OG Ananobi hits the shot of his life. And the Raptors come back and tie the series. Tonight, it's all on the line. The Raptors have won four straight game fives. But that being said, the Celtics have had bad games from two of their three best players the past two games. Tonight, May not be the series based on how competitive it is, and there's no home court. So whoever wins tonight isn't going to have to go back to Boston or for a Game 7 up in Toronto. Um, but this is, this is going to be a tough series tonight. Uh, the momentum appears to be with Toronto. You never know what can happen. Siakam flipped a switch last game. If he's off tonight, they don't get the same result. Um, for the Celtics, I think we can agree it's been basically the same three guys. You can argue four with Smart, but this whole series, it's been Tatum, Brown, Kemba, and Marcus. The Raptors have done it by committee. It's been different guys every single night. One night it's Van Fleet, one night it's Lowry, one night it's Siakam, one night it's OG Ananobi. The next night, it's Mark Gasol's defense. I mean, one night, again, Serge Ibaka having some big games. So who do you got tonight? Um, I'm expecting, I mean, Pascal to do much more than he has. Last game, he had 23 points in 46 minutes. I think he's going to up it up tonight. I think the workload. Well, that was his best game of the playoffs. Yeah, no, and I think it's, he's only going to get better. I think that with this momentum he's grabbing and from where he was, I've never been that high on him, but I know that he got it done when it mattered. And I think he's going to get it done tonight, but I think the Celtics will take six and then seven will be quite, quite the game. Because I don't see the Celtics giving up or not. They're going to win another game. They have one heck of a talented team with scores left and right. I think this is, this is a very hard series to – predict that's how i see it yeah i think it's a difficult one to predict too um also some news today that is kind of relevant if this series goes seven gordon hayward headed back to the bubble today so that could be big but i don't think he'll play in this series even if it goes seven um 
Tonight, I'm taking the Celtics just based on the fact that they haven't lost three games in a row since early January. This is a team that doesn't come out and loses a ton of games like that. Um, And I also think you just have to have an average game. That's the thing I'm looking at is in these two Toronto wins, statistically, they've shot better from three and they played a lot better defense than they have all year. These last two games have been huge outliers for Toronto. So I really don't think they can get three of those in a row if Boston makes adjustments and if they play an average game. Um, I just can't look away from that. And also Brad Stevens, I think in these scenarios, you know, I've seen this before where he, he'll get down – and he'll win a game five, or the series will be tied and he'll get back. You know, I go back to two series that I think for the Celtics were much harder than this. It was 2017, the second round versus Washington, where you win two games, you lose two games, and then game five, you get it all together. And 2018, the Eastern Conference Finals, where you look like you have the Cavs, they come back and win two games pretty similarly to the way that you lost the last two. The Cavs won in 2018 on some last-second heroics from LeBron and then kind of a not-so-close game that went wire-to-wire in quotes, but it didn't. And then you came out and dominated game five. Um, The Celtics gave me no reason to believe that, again, they won't come out and dominate game five. Um, but I, I think I'll take Boston tonight. I'm pretty confident, a little biased, but I'm pretty confident that Jalen Brown will not have the shooting night he had. Again, I, I think I've pointed this out in our personal conversations about the game. Um, if Jalen Brown goes even, what, five for 11 from three, the Celtics win this game. So it took him shooting absurdly bad to to give that Raptors that one. So – Let's also talk about how bad the Raptors were shooting that game. 39% from the field. Last game? Game four. Yep. Game four, the Raptors were on fire from three. That's their best three-point shooting game. Well, that's that's 39% period from the field. 38% from three. They shot 39% from three. But it's still, they were making these baskets at the right time. They had stretches. In the first quarter, like in the first five. and third quarter, it's about when you get hot. In the first and third quarter, they dominated. Um, and that's what's won them the games. Not really the first quarter dominance. That was, that's been new in the last two games. But last, last game, it was the first and third quarter. And this whole series has been the third quarter. Toronto is a plus 24 in the third quarter uh, with the differential. They've scored 24 more points than the Celtics have. It's all been the third quarter. The Celtics have gone into the half of these games. I think they've trailed once going into the half. Um, And then they just come out and get dominated in the third quarter. So that's going to be key tonight too, is can you stop the Raptors in the third quarter? Because that's been when you struggle. And I think that's where coaching comes into play because a lot of it's been – Stevens will start out the third quarter minus one or two starters. Yeah, like coming out of halftime, what adjustments is he making in the game plan? It seems like it's not working. Yeah, I think out of the the half, you just got to bring everybody. You got to come out in that third quarter. 
because I don't consider game-to-game momentum to be real in sports, but I think in the game, as far as, you know, if you get hot right before the fourth quarter, that's where momentum's real to me. Because that happened to the Raptors last night. You let them get hot from three, especially you let Siakam get going, who'd been terrible Mm -hmm. since the bubble. He's been awful. And you take Jalen Brown off of him and you stick, you know, you let the guard switch. Kemba was guarding him a lot of the time. You kind of, I called it wasting Marcus Smart on him because Smart guards those perimeter guys so well, and you want to stick Smart on him. Um, Siakam was just able to do it all. But I think tonight it's going to be coaching adjustments because both coaches have to make adjustments. I think Nick Nurse also has to make adjustments. Um, I mean, Jason Tatum, I think other than game three, he's been able to walk all over them, essentially, do whatever he wants. I I think I'm super excited for the game today. It's 6.30. I'm excited to watch um, Kyle Lowry and see how he does. He's been he's been he's been relatively very solid this series. Yeah, he's been he's very consistent for them. Fun to watch. I want to see what he does from three. I want to see how he mm-hmm. shoots the ball. I think an adjustment that has to be made though is how do you deal with him getting to the basket? Yeah, he's been unstoppable. He's been uh, burning Kemba. I. I wouldn't really say burning. I just think he's so physical when he gets in there. I, you know, he was moving the bigs, you know, and at six foot three, I don't want to make too many fat jokes about the guy. Cause you know, fat Kyle Lowry is a whole thing, but you know, he's really moving the bigs. I mean, he had 11 rebounds last game. That's, that's some muscle. I mean, but he's Lowry's got to keep it up. I think we talked about the same thing in the Clippers series is Lowry can't play badly. And I think that's a lot of the conversation and dialogue about this series is for the last two games, Toronto's had to have everybody play well. Boston has been within basically two or three plays. That's been the difference in these games is two or three plays where the Celtics mess up and they're still in the game. But Toronto, we saw it in in game one. If they blunder more than two or three times, they're going to get blown out. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where I give Toronto a chance in this series is they have been playing perfect basketball, and I don't think that's a negative thing. I don't think that should be something that, you know, oh, can they? I think they have been. And you just have to look at the reality. I think Coach Stevens really has to – go into his playbook and say, okay, we can't bank on our normal stuff keep, to keep working if they just are beating it miraculously because they're still beating it. And this is the playoffs. you got to have some urgency. You have to make adjustments. And he's got to figure out a way to slow Kyle Lowry down. Not, I mean, you're not going to stop him, but you got to slow him down because if he's not going, that offense is not going. Mm-hmm. But if you let him get to the rim at will, if you let him get to his spots around the foul line, He's going to be unstoppable. What would you say? What would you do if you were in Brad Stevens' shoes with stopping Kyle Lowry? I would like to see him get picked up a little earlier. I'd like to see Brad finally commit smart being the primary defender instead of Tatum. I like Tatum's length, but Lowry's a lot more physical. So I think you have to match that physicality. I think Tatum on Siakam 
makes a little more sense. But smart, you have to hawk smart because smart's the guy that's going to be able. I mean, this is a thing that's been talked about. I'm on, you know, Celtics Twitter and we talk about smart and Lowry uh, as far as their hustle and how they go about the game are very similar. Just the physicality they play with on defense. I think you have to match that. I think you have a guy in Marcus Smart that you're not utilizing properly. I get that he's good on Van Fleet and he's good guarding these bigs, but you have to just hawk Lowry with him because Lowry's the guy that's killing you. You know, you just got to stop the primary guy. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Just as far um, as what I, I, complete, I think Smart should be guarding him. Smart is their best defender, I think, no doubt. He's one of the best defenders inside in the whole league right now, just period. His physicality and quickness and quick hands with stealing the ball, it is really fun to watch. And I think him matching up with Lowry is perfect for him. And I think if I were Brad Stevens, offensively, I'd put a little – because Hayward's out, this load has to go on Tatum. He has to ball out. And Brown. Brown has not been the same player like last game, just not shooting well. So if he's not shooting well, you've got to find another way to get him going, either if it's attacking the basket, getting people open, just creating more opportunities. Because I don't think taking him out of the picture or making him continue to shoot is the right thing. Like I think more adjustments could be made. I agree with that. And I think as far as Brown, I think a lot of that was tunnel vision last game. I think when Brad gives these guys kind of a free reign to do whatever they want, you know, Brown was getting some tunnel vision last night. There were some plays where, you know, you got two or three guys open on a break and he's pulling up for three. So I think you're right. He's got to start looking to get people involved because, you know, he's not the best offensive player on the team. I think if you got Kemba and Tatum, you just have to get both of them rolling. And I think everything else will come after that. I think if Tatum is going, Kemba's going, then they're going to start to collapse on those two. And then it's guys like Brown, it's guys like Smart, it's guys like Tyson Williams who are going to start to get open. Um, But last night they just got away from it. I think game three was really what they should be playing like. But game four, they just got away from what they do. Agreed. Well, that's pretty much the the association. Six thirty tonight. Yeah, six thirty tonight. Nine p.m. tonight for the game three of the Western Conference semifinal. But um, this was going to be our first episode. Going to cut it a little short, just kind of talking about the association. Uh, we hope to continue this on some sort of weekly schedule, mm-hmm. but. Other than that, we can sign off. So, see you guys soon. See ya.